You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It is Tuesday. Welcome to the How to Win podcast. Listen, I want you to tag a friend. Let them know that we're live. You can get us on Facebook, on YouTube. And listen, we're transitioning now over into Mike Moore Ministry. So I want you to get used to going over there because in a little while, that's going to be your primary way of getting us. Listen, we got a bunch of folk coming in here. I see Marion, Alicia, uh, Orlando, uh, Monica. Oh, good to see you, Marion. Good to see you. Good to see you, Sharon. Good to see you, Lori. Oh, keep coming in. Keep coming in. Hey, Joel, good to have you with us today, Lori. Good to have us with us today. Listen, we're going to have a wonderful time in the Word today. I've been teaching on the subject, God wants you to be rich. Say that. God wants me to be rich. Come on, say that again. God wants me to be rich. Hey, April, Pamela, good to have you with us. Renee, Solomon, good to have you with us today. God wants you to be rich. This is our third lesson. Let's review a quick review. In lesson one, we talked about God's will because faith begins where the will of God is known. So we show you from the scriptures, and you can go back on YouTube and pull this back up. You go back on Mike Moore Ministries and pull back up lesson one. God wants you to be rich. We established that from the word. We also gave you the Bible definition of the word rich. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says that God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now, that is the Bible definition of the word rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, God wants you to have an abundance to live that's your personal life and abundance to give. That's sowing outside of yourself and giving outside of yourself. And then in our second lesson, well, uh, first lesson, we also show you from the word that the rich life was paid for on the cross. That's Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. And then in our last lesson, lesson two, we talked about people whom God made rich. And we talked about the factors that they had to overcome. Now, in this third lesson, boy, this is a good series. This is a mind renewal series. We're going to talk about the assassins, the assassins, of God's plan for your rich life, the assassins. An assassin is someone who kills an important person 
by means of a plot or through the element of surprise. And there are things, Satan, demons, and things who wants to destroy, wants to kill your rich life. And we're going to look at 10 of those things. We probably won't get to all of them. Good to have you with us, Crystal. Orlando, Joanne, good to have you with us. Lee Ann, come on, come on, come on. Anita, B. Jackson, Pastor Perry, hey, hey, Perry, good to see you. Good to have you with us today. The Assassins of the Rich Life. I have... 10, but think about it for a moment. Let's think for a moment. Why is it that the world, and I'm talking about really people in the world, people who really does not or choose to not have a God consciousness, why is it that people in the world or the world controls most of the wealth in the world. Now, listen, I know that they are believers. I know that they are Christians who are wealthy, Christians who operate in the rich life. But for the most part, that's not the norm. That's the exception. Most Christians are not walking in the rich life. So we, we're going to look at in these lessons, these next two lessons, we're going to talk about the assassins of the rich life. Number one, ignorance. Ignorance is an assassin of the rich life. Hosea 4 verse 6 says, my people are destroyed, cut off for lack of knowledge, for lack of of knowledge. Notice he said, my people are cut off. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's ignorance. So I believe possibly the number one reason why Christians are not walking in the rich life is because of a lack of knowledge, ignorance, a lack of knowledge of God's will a lack of knowledge of God's why and a lack of knowledge of God's how. Now, we've talked about God's will. We talked about it in the first lesson. We haven't gotten to yet God's why. Why does God want us to be rich? We, ha we haven't got there yet. We're taking our time. We're going to walk through this. This is a mind renewal series. And then we're going to get to God's how, how from the scriptures, how does God cause his people to be rich, to walk in the rich life? So ignorance, and, and we're going to help you with this ignorance factor in this series. If you'll, you'll go with us and walk with us, at the end of this series, we will have destroyed the ignorance factor. Number two, the second assassin of the rich life is stinginess, stinginess. That's Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 through 25. Uh, the eighth part of the verse is our proof text. It says, there is one who scatters 
that means to share, that means to give, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. Come on, say that. The generous soul will be made rich. Think about that for, for a moment. That, that is uh, counterintuitive. Think about it. That that's totally goes against the natural way of thinking. The Bible says those who scatters, those who share, those who give will increase. And then it says those who withhold more than is right. So you should withhold, but those who withhold more than is right, that's the stingy person. The Bible says it will tend to poverty. The generous soul, the generous, and I found this out by experience. Listen, there was a time in my life, especially as a young believer, when I was stingy. You know, I was I was stingy. And I learned that early in life. You know, in Sunday school, when I as a little kid, when I go to Sunday school, my, my mother would maybe give me a quarter or, or, or whatever to put in the Sunday school class. I wasn't going to put that whole quarter in that Sunday school class. I may put a nickel in that Sunday school class or a dime. I'm not putting the whole quarter in. See, we, we learn stinginess. We, we sometimes are raised to be stingy. And so I had to break that over my life. And I'm a very generous person now. And I'm excited about it. I'm not just generous. I enjoy. I love to give. I love to share. I love to scatter. And the Bible says that if you are a generous person, that's not event giving. That's a lifestyle. If you are a generous person, the Bible says the generous soul will be made rich. You see, you can, you can, be intentional about the rich life. The generous soul will make you rich. We're talking about the assassin. So stinginess is an, an assassin, assassin. And stinginess is usually rooted in selfishness and or the fear of lack, the fear of not having, you know, uh, I struggle with learning to be a giver and I would give and, you know, I think about it and, you know, after I had given and then sometimes I would give and wish I hadn't given, you know, so it, it was the fear of lack that if I give, I won't have, you know, so I have to hold on to it. And, and I'll have it. And that's the opposite of what you should be. You should be doing naturally and spiritually. You should be led by the spirit in your giving, uh, intentional uh, giving. But the generous soul, the Bible says, will be made rich. So stinginess, and that's true, whether you're an individual, that's true, whether you are a corporate body, whether you be a business or a church, you show me a stingy church, I'll show you a church that's struggling. I mean, struggling. 
You show me a stingy business, you should be giving out of your business. You should be giving something out, out of the revenue that comes in your business. You should be giving. The generous soul shall be made rich. So number one, ignorance is an assassin of the rich life. Number two, stinginess. Then number three, it is interesting, the failure to teach on prosperity. I think the failure, now I'm speaking to leaders, I'm speaking to ministers, I'm speaking to pastors, I'm speaking to prophets, I'm speaking to all those who are over organizations, uh, the, and, and in particular spiritual organizations, local church ministries, the failure to teach your followers on prosperity, the failure to teach. You know, there's people are ignorant because we as, as leaders and as pastors, and I'm not by any means trying to judge you. I'm not by any means trying to be condescending or uh, uh, put you down in any way. In fact, I'm trying to do the opposite. I'm trying to, to, uh, to elevate your thinking. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to elevate your thinking a failure to teach on prosperity. And I'm, I'm particularly now talking about financial prosperity. I believe that the average pastor, I'm not talking denominationally now, I'm talking across the board. I believe the average pastor is failing to teach the congregation, the followers, the ministers, the, the members on the subject of prosperity. And I'll I, I walk you through why I think we have failed to do that. I think it's a fear of man. I think, I think when it comes to this area, we are afraid, and, I, I'm, and now I'm speaking to godly pastors and godly leaders and those who are not in it for money. You're not in it to take from the people. You have a genuine call on your life. You love the people. You love following God. We're not, we're not talking about swindlers. We're, we'll talk about those in a moment, but we're just talking to you. You love the people. You care about the people. But sometimes in our caring about the people, we have a fear of the people. We're afraid that if we teach on financial prosperity and the people prospering and tithing and giving and all those different kinds of things, we're afraid that people will say that we're after people's money and we don't we don't want people to think that. So it's a fear of man. The Holy Spirit says something to me, and uh, I had to grow in my understanding of this area because I initially, I didn't want the people to think that I was after their money. I didn't want the people to think uh, that I 
was running some kind of con on them. I love the people. So I was a little hesitant at first, and the Spirit of God had to renew my mind. He had to help me to understand that teaching the people on prosperity was not just about me. It was about them. It was about them prospering. It was about them uh, having a better quality of life. It wasn't just even about the church. It was about the people. So in my mind, I was thinking, I don't want the people to think that I'm just after money. So I'm pulling back. I'm afraid to teach on financial prosperity because I love the people. But in reality, that wasn't loving the people. That was loving me. That was protecting me, my my insecurity about it. It wasn't about the people. I had to learn that when I taught my members on prosperity, I was loving them. Now, why, why is that so? The Bible says, in Romans 10, verse 14, now listen to what it says, Romans 10, 14, it says, How then shall they call on him and whom they have not believed? Now, Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that word saved is a huge word. It doesn't just include the new birth, but it includes the holistic salvation, comprehensive salvation, salvation of the mind, salvation of the body, salvation of the finances, salvation in your family. Saved is a comprehensive word. But the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now watch this. But Romans 10, 14 says, how then shall they call in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And then Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So now think about it. Every pastor, and I know you, I'm talking to you now, you love the people. Well, if you love the people, you'll want them to prosper. But they can't prosper if they don't believe. And they they can't believe if they never, they don't hear. And they can't hear without you. So you should be teaching. It should be a part of your regular uh, cycle of teaching, teaching the people, teaching your members on prosperity. And don't be afraid. Financial prosperity. Teach them on financial prosperity. Why? There are consequences if you don't. If you don't teach them on financial prosperity, it is an unrealistic expectation for you to expect them to prosper and grow because they can't prosper and grow without hearing because faith in God comes by hearing. So it's, you know, think about it. You teach on spiritual prosperity and some of you teach on physical and health prosperity. 
and then you teach on family prosperity, husbands loving your wives and wives uh, working with your husbands and, and, and prospering. You, you teach on social prosperity. Think about that. You teach on evangelism and witnessing. You teach on spiritual prosperity. Why can't you teach on financial prosperity? And that is a, an assassin of the rich life, a failure on the part of leaders, whether it be ministers or apostles or prophets or pastors or teachers, a failure to teach your congregation on financial prosperity. So I'm going to ask you a question. When the last time you taught your congregation on financial prosperity, how many series, how many series, teaching series, do you have on financial prosperity? It is an assassin, a failure to teach on prosperity. And it's fear, it's fear related. It's the fear of man. The Spirit of God said something to me, and, and this is so very important. The Spirit of God said this to me years ago. He said, the subject of money is unpopular. That's what he said to me. And yet at the same time, he told me to teach it. He told me to teach this word on prosperity. I was instructed by God to do it. Yet he said that the subject of money is unpopular. In fact, he said, he also said prosperity comes with persecution. That you're going to get some persecution. You're going to get persecution if you teach it. You're going to get some persecution. They're going to, people are going to say, you just in it for money. You one of those money preachers. You're this and you're that. You're going to get some persecution. But, but the word says it. Prosperity comes with persecution. And then if you begin to prosper, uh, saint, you, believer, you begin to prosper, you're going to get some persecution. Okay? We're talking about the assassins of the rich life. Ignorance, stinginess, failure to teach on uh, prosperity. Let's stay in this teaching area. Number four, anti-prosperity teaching. I don't understand anti-prosperity uh, teaching. I don't understand it. I really don't understand why a minister would teach against prosperity. That is, I, it makes no sense to me. It's absolutely amazing that people in the world who are prospering, who are enjoying wealth and riches, they never talk against it. They never talk against it. It's only in the church where people talk against prosperity. Most rich people don't talk against it. Most of them. Now, listen, most of them don't talk against it. It really is unnecessary. <laughs> now, listen to me. Listen here. It is unnecessary for a minister to spend their time in the pulpit teaching an anti-prosperity message. You say, why is that unnecessary? Because most of the Christians are not walking in richness. So why spend your time 
teaching against something that most of the Christians are not experiencing. The average Christian is not experiencing the rich life. So why spend time talking against something that people are not experiencing? It only happens in the church. Some in the church teach that prosperity, any teaching on prosperity is false doctrine, is anti-gospel, is cultish, is heresy. I've heard ministers, I've heard leaders, I've heard people teach against prosperity. And that's why so many people in the church are confused, because you got leaders, ministers teaching against prosperity. And really, it's inconsistent. Now, this may seem judgmental, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's inconsistent for a minister to teach against prosperity. You said, why? Because many of the ministers who teach against prosperity are rich. Think about it. Here's a man teaching against prosperity, and he living in a nice house, driving nice cars, got plenty of money, rich. But not only is he rich, he's taking up an offering. So if you take up an offering, that means people have to give. If they don't prosper, they can't give. And then he's selling his book, a book you got to pay for, but he's teaching you that prosperity is false doctrine. That's inconsistent. It is inconsistent to teach, now listen to me carefully, it is inconsistent to teach that God is the Father, and we teach that because it's Bible. God is the Father. He's our Heavenly Father. It's inconsistent to teach that God owns everything, and that's biblical. The cattle on a thousand hill belongs to him. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. That's Bible. The silver and the gold belongs to God. It is inconsistent to teach that God is a father, that he owns everything, and God is love. Well, we teach God is love because the Bible said God is love. I am saying, I'm not finished with the sentence, it is inconsistent to teach that God is a father, that God owns everything, that God is love, and to teach that prosperity is unbiblical. That is inconsistent. Think about it. God is a father. God owns everything. God is love, but prosperity is unbiblical. Think about it. Let's put it on a natural level. I am a dad. I'm a father. My children or adults. So I'm going back when they were kids. Okay. Listen, if I'm their father, if I have plenty in my life, plenty of resources, and if now, now this is just an analogy. I love them. Why wouldn't I want them to prosper? Tell me why. In fact, why wouldn't I want my kids to have a better life than I had? Why wouldn't I want my kids to live the best life they could live? Why wouldn't I want that if I'm a father, if I own everything, I got plenty, and then I love them? Why wouldn't I want them to prosper? It is inconsistent. Sometimes we're teaching mixed messages. 
And that's what causes people to be confused. You can't tell me God is a father. God owns everything. God is love. Yet prosperity is unbiblical. That makes no natural sense. And you have to be a Christian to think that way because no one else does. No one thinks that way except people in the church. So that's an assassin, an assassin of of the rich life, an anti-prosperity teaching. Let's stay along with this teaching business. Number five, the fifth assassin of the rich life is what I'm calling fear-based teaching and imbalanced teaching for this teaching thing is something else. It is so important who you're listening to. I don't listen to everybody. Listen, I'm not going to expose myself to everybody because faith comes by hearing, but fear comes by hearing. Faith and fear both come by hearing. Fear-based teaching and in imbalanced or unbalanced, imbalanced teaching are assassins. I put them together. Fear-based teaching is teaching on what I call the dark side, the dark side. It is teaching about the cautions in the Bible. It is focusing on uh, the warnings in the Bible, the abuses in the Bible, backsliding if you have any anything any wealth. Be weary of backsliding. The, when you teach on the dark side, there are cautions, there are warnings. There are people who have mismanaged resources. But when you focus on the dark side, Solomon backslid. Well, really, when you think about it, Solomon didn't backslide because of he, he was wealthy. He backslid because of them girls, them women. You know, he lived in, a, in, in, in a, he didn't live a disciplined life. And you talk about the rich young ruler walked away from God because he had wealth. And then in Luke 16, there was a rich man died and went to hell. See, if you don't teach those things in their context and, and you you got this fear-based teaching where people are afraid to prosper. They're afraid if they have a good life that they're going to backslide. They're afraid that they're going to walk away from God. Then they're not going to have faith for it. It's a fear-based teaching. It's also imbalanced teaching. When you teach on giving, 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 giving. Every message on prosperity is on giving, but it's never, you never talk about the prosperity of the people, them doing well, them prospering. Then it sounds like you just trying to get something from the people. I call that imbalanced teaching. Number six, and here's, here's a reality. The sixth assassin is that there are some ministers and some leaders and some preachers that are fleecing the flock. They're fleecing the flock. Second Peter chapter two, verse three says, and through covetousness shall they with fiend, a feigned 
words make merchandise of you. So 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, in the New King James Version said that, and he's talking about false teachers in the church, said that they actually, through greed, they take words and scriptures and they merchandise the people. Now watch this, 2 Peter 2, 3 in the New Living Translation says, in their greed, talking about false teachers, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. Now, there are such a thing and some people who are false teachers. Here's the reality of it, though. You cannot have a false teacher without having a true teacher. You cannot have a counterfeit if you don't have a genuine. And because there are counterfeits or false, we should run away from the genuine and the real. Now, the scripture says in John 10, 10, that Satan uses those who merchandise the gospel to create an aversion to godly prosperity and any teaching on prosperity and giving. Now, I'm going to say that again. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the Bible says. I am saying what Satan does to dilute the faith of believers, he uses those who merchandise the gospel, highlight them, the games, the gimmicks, and we see it all the time, but everybody asking for money is not on, on television or in churches or not just after people money. You have to have money for ministry. You have to have money, okay? But some are running a con, and we know that. Everybody knows that. So what Satan does, he highlights those people that are running the con. You know, they got a gimmick on how to get this money from people, and it's all about getting money from people. And your spirit will let you know when that's true. But that's a reality. So what Satan wants to do, he wants to use those individuals to create an aversion for godly prosperity, an aversion for godly teaching on prosperity, and a, a, a version for giving. That's why you have Christians say, I don't want to hear anything about prosperity. The moment you said prosperity, I don't want to hear anything. Why? Because Satan has been effective in their lives in creating an aversion by highlighting the false. He wants to highlight the gimmick so that people don't want to give because he knows that there's a connection between giving and ministry. There's a connection between giving and soul. There's a connection between money and the gospel getting out. There's a connection between money and Jesus. Satan knows that and he wants to control the wealth of the world so he wants to create a distaste for giving and prosperity in the minds of believers. And you got some believers, they don't want to hear the real, the genuine, because they have bought into Satan's game of creating an aversion through the false. And I hope that made sense to you. I want to look quickly at one last, one last, uh, one last, uh, assassin, and I'm calling this assassin spiritual laziness. Spiritual laziness. It hinders believers 
from embracing the truth, recognizing the faults, because Christians don't take the time to spend quality time in the word to get a revelation of godly prosperity for themselves. The Bible says in Acts 17, 11, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all readiness and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether what Paul and Silas said were so. So there are Christians who never get their own revelation. They never take the time. The Bible in Mark chapter 4, 16 and 17 said they have no root in themselves. They hear the word, they get all excited, but they don't study for themselves. They don't work the word. They don't look up the scriptures. They don't go back and listen to the teaching and build the revelation in their spirit. So they can't discern the false from the true and, and they can't stand when they're persecuted. They can't stand when they have some trouble because once you get the word, say you're going to try to bring trouble. He's going try to bring persecution to drive you from the word. But if you don't take the time to get in the word for yourself, you're not going to have a revelation of it. And I spent time years ago, months, years, just building the word in my heart. So there's no one can tell me that my father God does not want me to prosper. Now I covered seven today. You said, well, you said 10. Well, I got three more that we'll look at in our next lesson. We're going to talk about trust in the world system. We're going to talk about an entitlement mentality, and we're going to talk about unbelief in our next session. Listen, thank you so very much for spending this time with me. I do have a question here. Could it be that so many people have absent fathers or fathers who are not responsible in their lives because they don't grasp the idea of a loving, giving father? And I think that's a good observation. I think that's a good question. And I think that that there may be some validity to that question, that because I didn't have a loving father or an absent father or an abusive father or a detached father. When we say heavenly father, it's hard for some people to appreciate that. There's some validity to that. But here's the here's here's the 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 reality of the truth of the matter. And that is when you come into the kingdom. Now, God becomes your father, and it's our role to not relate God to our earthly father because God is perfect. That's where mind renewal comes in at. That will hinder you if your mind is not renewed. If your mind is renewed, you're not thinking about your earthly father. You're thinking about God, but you have to hear teaching about God so that you get to know him. If you don't have the word about God, then you're going to equate everything to your earthly father. Great question. I was also asked in, in one of our lessons, is it possible to be poor in spirit? The Bible talks about blessed are the poor in spirit. That's only talking about, that's not even talking about finances or financial poverty. It's talking about being poor in your, your faith in your own capacity. 
You should, we should all be poor in our own ability apart from God. In other words, we should not be depending on ourselves. That's what poverty in the spirit means, to not depend on yourself, to depend on God. Great time. I enjoyed it. Listen, Thursday, we're going to be talking about marriage or oh, winning the marriage game. And we're talking about sex. S-E-X. Look forward to hearing you next time. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today.